The Annunciation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever.
just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please do turn back to Luke chapter 1. Some familiar verses uh, from verse 26 to 56. Now, this morning we are continuing our series uh, thinking about celebration during this Advent season. Because the reality is, at this time of year, we have lots to celebrate within the church that goes well beyond the cultural aspects of Christmas, doesn't it? Sometimes at this time of year, there is a lot of pressure, isn't there? Pressure to go out shopping, pressure to buy your turkey when it's so expensive this year, pressure to have the idyllic Christmas that you see on your Sainsbury's advert or your Aldi advert or whatever other advert you want to see, where everyone is sitting calmly, serenely, around the table. The turkey is just perfect. The parsnips are wonderful. Yuck, who likes parsnips? <laughs> Brussels sprouts, wonderful. And it just looks, oh, that's what Christmas should be all around, all about. Now, we know that reality is often very different, don't we? We know that sometimes Christmas isn't exactly like that. But sometimes we feel pressure because of the, the cultural aspects of Christmas. But what we're trying to do in our Advent series is to try and say, look, this is a time of celebration. And it's a time of celebration that is well beyond the cultural aspects of Christmas. And the aim is that by the time you get to Christmas Day, and you take the turkey out the oven, and it's overdone, and it's dry, and it's horrible, that you still celebrate anyway. That's the whole purpose of this. Not suggesting that you overdo your turkey. <laughs> so what we're doing this Advent is that we are looking at those in the Bible who celebrate, those who praise God, those who are full of joy, and they're full of joy because of Jesus. Now, I want you to recognize here that some of these people in the Advent story don't have life easy. Sometimes you just think, you know, people are just serenely going through life. And oh, you know, there's angels and oh, there's Jesus born and that's how it is. But we looked last week at Elizabeth and Zechariah who'd been longing for a child for years and years and years. Pain, struggle. And yet then God intervened and there was joy. So we thought about the joy of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and what I want to think about this morning is the joy of Elizabeth and particularly Mary. Now, you may have noticed that we are really concentrating this year in Luke's gospel, Luke's version of the nativity. And what we read today is, is the bit in between the readings that we had last week, because the the structure of Luke's gospel from chapter 1 into chapter 2 is this, that there is firstly the, the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist, then there's the foretelling of the birth of Jesus, then there's the birth of John the Baptist, and then the birth of Jesus. So it goes in that, uh, in that structure. So last week we thought about the foretelling and birth of John the Baptist. 
Today we're thinking about the foretelling of the birth of Jesus, and God willing, next Sunday we will look at the birth narrative of Jesus. But today what I want to think about is the joy, despite the trepidation of Mary, the joy of Elizabeth, and the joy of the unborn baby in Elizabeth's womb. So, firstly, let's think about this amazing young woman in Nazareth called Mary. Our passage says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. Now, just a note here. God's timing is perfect, isn't it? We will see later that Mary goes to stay with Elizabeth, and she stays with Elizabeth until Elizabeth is about to give birth. So it seems to me that Mary, if I can do my maths right, and I think I proved on Friday night I can do maths, Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months, 12 weeks, until the time when when her bump was probably showing, thereabouts. And even now, in our culture, People tend not to say that they're pregnant before their 12-week scan. That's the case, isn't it? Well, Mary had those three months to take in what was happening to her and to spend that time with her elder cousin, who was also experiencing an amazing time where she also was pregnant in her old age. And I want you to see that that is the, the, the grace of God and God's timing is perfect. So Elizabeth's six months pregnant. Mary just finds out she's pregnant, and then they have those three months together when they can support one another and help one another. So we're told in the passage that the angel goes to Nazareth and goes to Mary and says to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, understandably, Mary is greatly troubled at the angel's words. Why wouldn't she be? Now, interestingly, she's not particularly concerned about the angel's appearance. Other places, people are concerned about the angel's appearance. I really don't know what an angel looks like. I don't think they probably are dressed in white with a wee halo and some wings. I think some of them would be quite fearsome, in a way. But it's the words that Mary is troubled at After all, it isn't every day, is it, that an angel comes to speak to you, is it? And the angel then delivers this amazing message that Mary is going to conceive and bear a son, and that he will be the son of the Most High, that he will be on the throne of David, that he will reign over Jacob's descendants, and his kingdom will never end. Now, that's quite a lot to take in when you've just had your breakfast, is it not? You can imagine Mary was just living out her life, and then this, there's this angel, and she's saying, you're going to bear this son. And look what this son is going to do. It's a lot for her to take in. And especially for a girl who might have only been, what, 14, 15, 16 at max? Now, understandably, after hearing this message, Mary wants to know how this can be, since she's a virgin. And the angel tells her that the child will be from the Holy Spirit. This is going to be a miraculous birth. And then the angel goes on to tell Mary about her cousin Elizabeth. Now, it is worth reflecting, isn't it, 
on why the angel talks about Elizabeth at this point. I believe it is an act of grace on the part of God to Mary. Because here is Mary, a young girl, just heard this most amazing news. How is she going to take this in? She needs some support. She needs some help, doesn't she? And there's a hint from the angel to go to Elizabeth. The angel doesn't say go to Elizabeth. But the hint is there. Even Elizabeth, your cousin, in her old age, is in her sixth month. Now, after the angel makes clear that no word from the Lord ever fails, Mary shows remarkable faith, doesn't she? Sometimes we underplay the role of Mary, but she shows remarkable faith. Because what does she say? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I think I would have been protesting. I would have been panicking. I'd have been thinking, oh, no, no, this can't possibly happen. How can this be? But Mary doesn't. She shows great faith, great trust in a God whose word never fails. And so after she's heard these words, after she said, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled, she goes to see Elizabeth. And this is where things must have been, have got really real for Mary. You know how sometimes in your life, you know, something's happening and you think, oh, maybe I just dreamed it, you know, maybe it's not really happened. And then someone says, oh, did you see that as well? And suddenly realize, well, whatever it was, was actually real. Well, this must have got real for Mary. Because yes, she's had an encounter with an angel, which doesn't happen every day. But all she has to hold on to is a, is a promise. That's all she's holding on to. But then she meets with her cousin Elizabeth, and something happens. Because when she goes in to see Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps. And this isn't just a, a regular baby kick. Clearly, this is something supernatural. And certainly, Elizabeth recognizes it as such. And then look at Elizabeth's proclamation. This isn't regular excitement at a family member expecting a baby. It says in verse 41 that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as she is filled with the Holy Spirit, she makes a proclamation. Blessed are you among, among women. Blessed is the child that you will bear. And the most astonishing thing is in verse 43. But why should I be, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's astonishing. Because Elizabeth is calling the baby that Mary is carrying her Lord. That's amazing. Something that could only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so when Mary turns up at Elizabeth's house, what happens? Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she rejoices, and she recognizes that the baby in her womb leaps for joy. Now for Mary, arriving at her cousin's house, seeing Elizabeth pregnant in her old age, because Mary, Elizabeth was six months pregnant by this time, so she would have had a baby bump. And Mary receiving a greeting like she did, how her faith must have soared. That's what I want you to see. 
Because at this point, we don't know if Mary has told anyone about this, about the angel speaking to her and about what's going to happen to her. But now she has someone to share with. And it isn't Mary imagining all this, but it's real. It's real. And at this point, Mary praises God with her song, which is commonly known as the Magnificat, which means glories. Now, what's notable about Mary's song is, again, in the same way in Zechariah's song, how Mary's not just focused on herself, but she sees the bigger picture. She sees how great a thing it is that's happening to her, and that all generations will call her blessed. And she sees that it's completely grace, that God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. But then she goes on to praise the Lord for who he is and all he has done and all he will do, and how God is faithful to his promises to Abraham. Now, one of the interesting things here in the Magnificat is that one of the main themes here in Mary's song is liberation. It's liberation. Because Mary talks of how the humble are lifted up, how the rulers are brought from their thrones, how the hungry are filled up while the rich are sent away empty. And the focus in this song is praising God, how God looks out for the needy, how good God looks out for the humble, how God looks out for those who are crying out for him. And it, of course, reflects Jesus himself, who said that he came, not for the righteous, but for the sick, for those who need the doctor, for those who need him. You see, if you think of the whole story of the nativity, it's amazing to think, isn't it, that it didn't happen in a palace, that it wasn't a princess that was chosen to to bear Jesus, but it was Mary from the backwater of Nazareth, a, a place so insignificant that one of the disciples, as we saw a few weeks ago, Nathaniel, didn't even think anything good could come from there. You see, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. You see, as we come to this story, and we see Elizabeth pregnant in her older years, and we see Mary, a young girl, a virgin, pregnant through the Holy Spirit, there's only one thing that we conclude if we believe that this is true. We can only conclude that this is God's doing, that it can only be God. Because if this were us, we would have done it a different way, wouldn't we? We would have made sure that the baby was born in you know, the most important city at the time, born in a palace, born in luxury. But that's not God's way. You see, here is God working out His purposes as only God can. And Elizabeth celebrates 
The baby in her womb jumps for joy, and Mary herself, filled with the Holy Spirit, rejoices that God would do such a thing. And the question for us today is, do we rejoice in this God that Mary did? Do we praise His name, recognizing all that He is and all that He has done? Because God did this for Israel to liberate them from sin. But He also did it for the whole world, for all who believe, including you and me. He didn't choose Mary because she was worthy, and neither does He choose us because we are worthy. It's pure grace, amazing grace. And so what I want you to see this morning is that there is no wonder that there's a lot of praise in the nativity story. You should look at your Bible when you get home. Look at the stories in Matthew. Look at the stories in Luke. See the celebration, the joy that is there. And this is not a forced joy. It's a real joy deep in the heart. There's a lot of praise in this nativity story. When we look at this nativity story, do we praise God? Do we rejoice in Him with the same abandon as those in the story do? God willing, we'll look next week at the shepherds and at the angels. I love the story of the angels. It's a wee spoiler for next week. Do you remember how there's one angel who gives the message to the shepherds, probably Gabriel, we don't really know, about this baby being born? And then all the angels suddenly appear. There's nowhere else in Scripture that happens, incidentally. They all appear, but it's almost as if they can't help themselves. And that's what you see in the nativity story, don't you? It's not a forced joy. It's not like, oh, let's jolly ourselves for the Christmas season. It's real joy. Because they recognize this is Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, the one who can save us from our sin. Do we rejoice in that God this Christmas? Do we rejoice with the same abandon as those in the story do? And let's celebrate that God is a God of grace. And in His amazing grace, He has given us His Son, the Savior not just of Mary, not just of Israel, but the Savior of the world and your Savior if you believe and trust in Him. Now, just as we come to the conclusion this morning, you might say, well, that's fine for you, minister, to say to me. But you don't know my circumstances. You don't know the difficulties. Well, I say to you, look at Zechariah. Look at Elizabeth. They were struggling. They had real problems in their life. Look throughout the Gospels. The people that came to Jesus, they all had problems. They all had difficulties. But what does Jesus do? He brings wholeness. He brings peace. He brings life. He brings love. Even in the midst of your difficult situation, Jesus is there. If you just reach out to Him, He can assure you of His presence. He can give you that joy, that love within. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this day. And Father, as we look at these familiar words from the Nativity story, we are struck by the joy and the celebration, even in the midst of the the difficulty and the trepidation. We see the angel Gabriel going to Mary, and we see Mary's amazing faith that she is willing to do this amazing task set before her. But Father, we thank you also for your grace to Mary, how you assured her of your presence, how you were gracious to her in giving her a hint to go and spend time with Elizabeth, that they might share that their good news with one another. And we thank you, Lord God, for the encouragements that Elizabeth and Mary shared with one another as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we look at this story today, we pray that it might not just be a story that happened 2,000 years ago that has no relevance to us. But Lord God, as we think about the story of Mary and the son that she was to bear, that we would understand that Jesus is the Savior that we need because we recognize that we are all sinners all fall short of your glory. We recognize within our own hearts that there is a lack of peace. And we need that peace within. And Heavenly Father, as we come to this service today, perhaps we are struggling with a family problem, a financial problem. Perhaps we are struggling with illness or with grief. And Father, we thank you that throughout your word, you never downplay our suffering. And the reason that we know that you do not downplay our suffering is that you sent Jesus into the world as the suffering servant, the one who suffered for our sake, the one who died on the cross and gave up his life for us that we might know peace and reconciliation with you and that we might know life and joy. We thank you that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And Father, we recognize that life is not easy, that life has its challenges. But Father, we'd much rather do it with you by our side than do it by ourselves. Heavenly Father, In the midst of our situation, we ask that you would minister to us and that you might fill us with your Holy Spirit. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us. Through your word today, we pray. And help us this Christmas time to rejoice in you with a true and everlasting joy. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. 